I'm going to preach this evening on the subject, do you have what you need? Do you have what you need? Aren't you glad God's able to give us what we need? And uh, there are seven churches that are addressed in these uh, two chapters. It is in this uh, passage of Scripture that the Lord tells us, and I like verse number 19, as many as I love, I rebuke. As many as I love, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I'm glad I have a God that loves me enough to not let me go in a direction of self-destruction, but to stop me and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not the right way. That's not the right thing. I want you to do the right thing. I want you to have the blessings of the Lord. Do we have what we need? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. I desire your will to be accomplished. I hunger uh, to be spirit-filled. I desire to be a blessing. I thank you for the faithful service of your people today and this week. And my heart is blessed by their faithfulness from the nursery to the baptistry workers to those that cleaned the buildings and prepared the buses, those that taught classes and the many, many things that were accomplished to make the day what it has been. And I pray, Lord, that you have... And you will receive glory and honor by our being here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There are four things I want to say by way of introduction about this church. First of all, this is a church that's known the blessings of the Lord. We have a good God. He does bless us. And if we're not careful, we will fall in love with the blessing to the place that we ignore the blesser. That's easy to do. We, we get busy. We get busy uh, and we enjoy the blessings. We get busy in life. And, and you know, it is need that drives us to the Savior. It is need that drives us to the Word of God. And sometimes we get to the place that we enjoy the blessings of God that we forget the blesser. So this church is a blessed church. Second of all, I want to say that this church is being rebuked. They're being rebuked because there's some things that they need that they do not recognize they need. Now, these are not accessories, but they are essentials. He describes them as saying, I have everything I need. He said, you don't realize you don't have what you need. You're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked. That's about as destitute as you can get to get to the place that you uh, think you have everything you need, but you don't have what God says you need. By the way, the things that they needed were available. And the things that they needed, God wanted them to have them. And so the message tonight, do we have what we need? God knows what I need and what I need is available and what I need God wants me to have. So it's a blessed church. It's a rebuked church. Uh, it is a belittled church. Uh, they think they're great. Uh, they think they're hot stuff. Uh, they think, boy, their value is high. Uh, maybe you've heard the statement, I'd like to buy that person for what they're worth and sell them for what they think they're worth, and I'd make a great profit. And that's like the church of Laodicea. They thought they were something, and God said, you actually have invested in fool's gold. You have no value at all. You have some things that you have valued, but they have no value at all. 
you, you are a miserable bunch of people. That's what God says to them. And then, fourth of all, I want to say they're a besought church. And they're besought to see their real condition. And then they're challenged to buy the things that they really need. And so he doesn't write them off. He doesn't throw them away. He said, I just want you to recognize what you need and I want you to get it. That's a good God, isn't it? Aren't you glad God doesn't throw us away when uh, we come to the place that we're useless to him? He doesn't throw us away, but he says, hey, I don't want to throw you away, but I do want you to get right. And so he challenges them. He said, I want you to buy. Uh, Notice what he says in this verse here. Uh, In verse number 18, I counsel thee to buy of me. He said, I want you to buy of me. I want you to buy from me the things that I say you need. The word buy is an interesting word here. It means to purchase. It means to exchange. He said, I want you to exchange what you have for what you really need. Now now think about this illustration, if you will. Money in itself has no value. It can only be exchanged for things that help us. You understand I can't eat money. I could, but I don't know if it would be very good. I'd rather have a cheeseburger. Uh, I found out a while ago, and I'm, I, I'm surprised I didn't know this. Did you know today's National Peanut Butter Day? I, I didn't know that. I don't know about you. I'd rather have a jar of peanut butter. It's $2 anytime. I like two kinds of peanut butter. I like the creamy and the uh, crunchy. Those are the two kinds I like. I don't know if there's any other kinds there is. Let me know after church. Uh, But money you can't eat. You exchange money for what you can eat. You can't drink money. You can't wear money. You can only exchange it for the things that you need. So we exchange our money that we work for. Uh, We exchange it for groceries. We exchange it for our housing. We exchange it for clothes. We exchange it for shoes. We exchange it for medicine. We exchange it for guns and all those important things and and, uh, uh, ammunition for the guns and all of that. And God, I was just trying to get on your level. I didn't know how long it was going to take me. I thought I'd get you a cheeseburger and peanut butter. But anyway, God tells them, I want you to buy. I want you to exchange what you have for what you need. Now think of this. They're like those who fall in love with money to the place they go without what they need. You ever met folks like that? Have you ever met folks that they have money, but, but they want to hold on to their money so much they do without? Their folks, they'll do without medicine because they want to hold on to their money. They, they, they'll do without food. They'll do without peanut butter. That's sad. And uh, they'll, they'll do without food because they, they want to have money and they have this false assurance that if I have money or they have this pride, I want to have more money than somebody else has, so I don't want to spend any of it. I want to have money. God said you have money, but it's not worth anything. And he said, I counsel you, I want you to buy of me of the things that you need. And God is telling them what you need is not temporary. What you need is eternal and what you need is spiritual. I was preaching in a church a little more than 10 years ago. 
And boy, 10 years are going by at a time. It seems like I was preaching in a, it, it was a large church and it was a large meeting. It was well attended. And I thought the first evening, the Monday evening service was just really good. I thought it was blessed and uh, there was a good attendance in the church. The singing was good. The, the spirit was good. The people listened well. They listened to the preaching and uh, at the end of the message, they responded well uh, to the message. And many folks uh, used the altar, many folks prayed. And, and uh, I went to my seat and the pastor came uh, to the pulpit and, and he did something that was uh, maybe a little bit forward or it would be for me. And uh, he asked the folks after they'd gone back to their seat, how many of you came to the altar and prayed for something? And many, many hands across the building went up. And then he said this, tell me what you prayed for. I was a bit embarrassed because they were searching for what they'd prayed for. And then it got a little bit thick after I thought was a good service. And folks began to give generic type answers. I prayed for America. I prayed for my health. And after a few answers, he said, did anybody pray for anything spiritual? And boy, I, I thought, man, I need to go to the altar now. <laughs> and what he was doing, he was getting his folks to understand sometimes we pray, we're really satisfied with what we have, and sometimes we're satisfied with things that God really is not satisfied in us. And we miss the things God wants us to have. I ask us tonight, do we have what we need? I ask you tonight, what spiritual things are on our prayer list? Well, let's go beyond that. What spiritual thing are we praying for that we're burdened for that we don't need written on a prayer list? And he asked, he said, I'm surprised nobody has prayed for the fullness of the Spirit. You would think God wants you to have that. Somebody would have prayed for that. And he began to name things in that invitation. And uh, we really did have a good meeting because our attention was turned not just from the good things and the blessings of the Lord, but the things that are most important. Now I preach tonight to a people who are serving people. This is an amazing crowd on a Sunday night, especially in what's going on in our nation and the many folks that are not able to be in church. I preach to a serving people. I preach to folks that have worked hard this week and folks that uh, do their best in witnessing and sharing gospel tracts and all of the work that we do. But if we're not careful, we'll get to the place that we're satisfied with the things that we have and never ask God, what is it that you want me to have? I want to point out four things tonight I believe God wanted them to have. First of all, I believe he wanted them to have a vigor for service. I believe he wanted them to have a burning heart for serving God. Look at verse number 16 and see what he says here. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold, cold is uncomfortable. Or hot, too hot is uncomfortable. Lukewarm, he said, you get to the place you don't need or even think about anything that you need. And the result of that, it makes me sick. He said, I will spew thee out of my mouth. 
Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. In the Christian life, there are three spiritual temperatures. There is a burning heart that's on fire for God, that hungers for God, that does not need a prayer list, a written list to pray for the things of God, but it is a burden of the heart. It is the things that we think about in the day. It's the things that we think about as we awaken in the nighttime hours and we hunger for those spiritual things from God. We hunger for Him to fill us with His Spirit. We hunger for Him to bless our efforts of witnessing and our, our, our family as we lead them spiritually and there is the one that's on fire for God then there's the one that's the cold heart songs don't move them sermons don't move them just go to their place and leave and go to their place and leave and just go through and cold hearted then there are those that are lukewarm and the lukewarm Christian is comfortable. They're complacent and they don't realize their need. And if we're not careful, we will be so, uh, uh, so long in ministry and serving God that we'll lose our fervency in spirit. And he said, what you need is a hunger, a vigor, a fervency for the things of God. Take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 12. You're in Revelation. Go to Romans chapter 12. Just a short verse, but a verse of challenge here. And he's telling us here, I don't want you to be satisfied with what you have. I want you to be hungry to keep a vigor or a fervent spirit to, uh, to serve God. Notice what he says here. And we'll look at just the verse, verse number 11. Not slothful in business, but... Uh, uh, not slothful in, in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Isn't it something how crazy folks become about sports? I'm not against folks getting excited about sports. I enjoyed the games uh, yesterday. I enjoyed that. I clapped. I cheered. I was glad when we uh, scored a point. I was mad when we uh, let the other team score a point. I mean, I was fervent in spirit about that. I don't want to come to church and be dead and dry. I don't want to read my Bible and say, well, I'm just fulfilling my duty. Read the Bible like I'm taking medicine or reading the Bible like I'm drinking castor oil or something. I want to have a fervency in spirit but can I tell you a fervency in spirit is not something that's going to overwhelm us it's something that we need to know that we need and hunger for and work for he said I want you to have a fervency in spirit a fervency in prayer a fervency in service a fervency in preparation a fervency in preparation a fervency in being prepared to sing to preach to teach whatever it is that we do we cannot let ourselves become complacent we cannot let ourselves become apathetic we need to hunger to have a fervency in spirit for God that's not all he says. I want you to notice next. They lost their values. He wanted them to value the right things. Go back to Revelation chapter 3 and notice the last part of verse number 17. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. That thou mayest be rich and white raiment. 
that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eyes have that thou mayest see. You see, the church at Smyrna, they thought themselves poor, but they were really rich. Chapter 2, verse number 9, the Laodiceans thought themselves to be rich and they boasted about it when in fact they were poor. They had become proud of their ministry and had begun to measure things by human standards instead of spiritual standards. They were in the eyes of the Lord wretched and miserable and poor he said you value things that have no value and you ignore the things that you ought to hunger for I want you to have a revival in your values I was blessed yesterday as not just yesterday on on Saturday but Friday as well as the tournaments were going on and parents and people uh, that uh, were enjoying the ball games were there. I don't know how many different folks were going in and out at different times and saying, I got to go visit my bus route. I got to prepare for Sunday school. I appreciated the fact, and some uh, after the games were hustling out, making sure everything was ready for today. That's why the baptistry waters were stirred. That's why folks trusted Christ as Savior. That's why the buses ran this morning and children heard the word of God. That's why that boy trusted Christ as Savior because he didn't want to go to hell and got a burden for his granddad to trust Christ as Savior because folks had value on things that God values very high. Arch blessed with that. I'm blessed by the faithfulness of giving of God's people to make sure they value their tithes and their offerings and their giving. Uh, Brother Jarvis just became a member of our church a couple of weeks ago and he asked me on Wednesday night, he said, I need you to explain tithing to me. I like to answer that question. I'm not asked that often. In fact, if you don't know, see me and Brother Jarvis after the service, we'll explain it to you together told me this morning, or he told me, he said, I did what I'm supposed to do. I tithe for the first time today. See, that's spiritual things. That's obeying the book. That's not listening to all the advertisements of the world and doing what the world says I'm supposed to do. That's saying I'm going to do what the book says to do. He said, I want you to have the right values. First of all, I want you to have the right vigor. I want you to have the right values. And then number three, he said, I want you to have a vision I want you to have a vision for the things that I have a vision for. Chapter 3, verse number 18, he says at the end, uh, he says, uh, And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Now, were these blind people? Were these folks that had problems with their eyes? No, they just couldn't see spiritual things. And he said, I want you to have a vision. Can I tell you, I want to have a vision for the things of God. Like one of the things I say to God often, Lord, I just, want you, I just want to do what you want me to do. I came here yesterday afternoon for about an hour, and a little bit later I came back for another 20 or 30 minutes. And I, I said again and again, Lord, I just want to do what you want me to do. Life is short. I don't want to waste weeks and months and years 
I want to have a vision for the things of God. The Laodiceans were blind. They could not see reality. They were living in a fool's paradise, proud of a church that had a lot of things, but didn't see the lost as people that needed to be saved, didn't see a world as a world that needed the gospel. And can I tell you, the Bible teaches us when a believer is not growing in the Lord, his spiritual vision is affected. Let, let me show you this quickly. Back up to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. We've got time to show you this. Uh, 2 Peter. Uh, notice, if you will, chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. This is a great chapter here. And it talks about us adding to our faith or growing. And don't be satisfied that you're just saved. Be a child of God that's growing in grace learning more about him. And as he prayed a while ago, Lord, that we could become more like you. He is our goal. He is our standard that we want to become more like. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5, and beside this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. This is a growing Christian. This is a Christian that's not just satisfied with faith that's taking them to heaven. They're becoming a Christian that's added some virtue to their faith. They've added some knowledge. They've added some temperance, some patience, and godliness, and brotherly kindness, uh, and charity. Look at verse number 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But look at verse number 9. He that lacketh these things, if you're not growing, is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. How many folks have we witnessed to? You ask them, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when they die? And they say, no, I don't. You give them the plan of salvation, and then they say, I've done that. They've forgotten they were purged from their old sins. They never grew a day. They never added anything to their faith. They're blind to the things of God. He said to the church here, I want you to desire to have a, a right vision. They were wrapped up in building their own kingdom and they'd become lukewarm in their concern for a lost world. Now church, think with me now, think with me. I wonder how many college students are on the college campuses here in central Kentucky that do not know Christ. You say, well, well, preacher, what's that to us? It's our job to preach the gospel to every creature. We need to have a vision for that. I wonder how many children there are, like those that came today, that are without Christ, or those that do not know that life has any value. I said this morning in church, I talked to the funeral director yesterday, and, of course, I had seen this in the news. In fact, I talked to one of the family friends. Two young men committed suicide in central Kentucky, one just a couple of miles from right here. You know what that teenager said? There's no reason to live. There's no reason to live. Took his life. How sad. That, that can't be changed. That can't be reversed. His soul is in eternity forever. I have to have a vision for that. 
By the way, the purpose of a building is not for a building that we can say, look at our building. Our building is for the tools to reach more for the cause of Christ. The day ever comes that we stop winning folks and reaching folks with the gospel. We stop making a difference with the word of God in the lives of others. We don't need buildings. We don't need property. We don't need anything. God, just take it all away. Our purpose is to have a vision for those that need God. Think of the teenagers. Think of the senior citizens. So many of them in loneliness and fear and concern tonight. I prayed for several today, and I've prayed for so many through these months. Lord, protect them from COVID and protect them from fear. Protect them and help them in their fellowship with you. He wanted them to have a vision. I want you to notice, last of all, shamefully, they'd lost their vesture. They'd lost their clothes. He said, you're so bad, you think you're wealthy. You're, you're like the, they were like the emperor in the fable. They thought they were clothed in splendor. They had nothing to wear. God said, you see yourself different than I do. I see you in a shameful manner. To be naked meant defeated in humility. What does that represent? God wanted them to have, in verse number uh, 19, God wanted them to have uh, uh, vestures of good works. That's what he's talking about here. I want you to be busy in this matter, the white garments of righteousness. Uh, that's graceful and righteous living, clothed in fine linen, clean and white. This means to live right. This means to act right. You see, salvation means that Christ's righteousness is imputed to our account. My sins are on this side, but God and his righteousness is on this side, and he takes away my sin. I'm saved because of his imputed righteousness, but sanctification means that his righteousness is imparted within us. I'm, it is made a part of our character and conduct as we're separated from the world and worldliness and given ourselves dedicated to the will of God. He said, I don't want you to think that you're doing well. You're not doing well. You're doing nothing for me. You're miserable and blind. He said, I want you to be clothed in good works. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about because of salvation. Now ask us tonight, what are we praying for? What is the burden of our heart? What are we hungry for tonight? Vision for spiritual things? When's the last time you said to God, Lord, don't let me become complacent? I, I, I want to be fervent in spirit in my service for you. Fervent in spirit, by the way, doesn't always mean stand up and shout and yell amen. Fervent in spirit means I'm ready, I'm prepared, I'm, 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 I'm preparing and I'm, I'm fulfilling my responsibility and I'm anxious to be in my place serving God. What are we hungry for? I don't know about you. But as I read this passage of scripture and I was reminded of the preacher that said, how many of you came to the altar and prayed tonight? Many raised their hand, and then when he said, 
what did you pray for when you came to the altar? Um, um, America, uh, my family. Anybody pray for the Spirit of God? Anybody pray for fervency? Anybody pray for spiritual things? I, I don't think the pastor was trying to humiliate his church at all. What he did was a lesson I'll never forget. As I read this, God says the same to me. I'm glad to bless you and give you things that you can enjoy, but those are not the things to live for. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. Don't, don't, don't be like the unconverted that just live for and seek after those things. Don't be like the fellow who just wants to have more money than anyone, but he won't use it for what he needs. I counsel thee to buy of me gold. Things that are precious tried in the fire. Stand with me if you